everybody. Great to see you this weekend and uh, everybody watching online and uh, at Montrose. Thanks for joining as well. It's great to, to hang out and be together. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Pastor Jeff, one of the pastors here, by far the best looking one. So enjoy that. Uh, but uh, it's great to meet you. I'd love to say hi to you out in the lobby uh, afterwards if we haven't got to talk before. Uh, but we've, uh, we've been having a conversation for uh, a few weeks here called Assume I Know Nothing. And what we're talking about, we call it a beginner's guide to, to knowing God. And so we've been talking about kind of off of this premise that if you knew nothing about God, nothing about God, nothing about Jesus, you had no like background in church, nothing like that. If we were going to have a conversation from like absolute scratch, like where would we have that conversation and kind of what path would we would we go on? And we decided to do that because um, here at Grace Church, a lot of people are really new to following Jesus. And if that's you, I just always want to remind you that you're the normal one. Uh, when you look and say, like, I, I understand who Jesus is, I decided to follow him, but I'm still kind of filling in the blanks with, like, the other stuff, the Bible and the church and all that kind of stuff. No problem. And this series is kind of meant to help you do that, like, in a systematic way. And then some of us are just, we're not even following Jesus yet. We're just like checking stuff out. And it was kind of New Year, New Year's resolution. I said at the beginning, like if you'll take this journey with us, I think it'll help you. And many of you have like said, okay, I'll give that a shot. And it's the same thing. Hopefully we're rolling this out like piece by piece so that you can get your head around uh, the decision that you're making. So that's what we've been on. Uh, we have resources that are kind of unique to this series. Uh, so there's a book out, it's called Assume I Know Nothing, you can just get it right from, from Amazon if you want it, or there's an audio version, it's just the Assume I Know Nothing podcast, and it's me reading the book, so I, you can have this with you wherever you go, right, so it, it's all yours, um, but it'll walk you through that, and then we have, of course, the past conversations, they kind of run in a linear fashion, so they kind of build one off of another, and then about... Seven or eight years ago, we did another conversation kind of like this. We also called it Assume I Know Nothing, and that's all there. And so that QR code that's on your chairs, or if you're watching online, it's on the website or on the app, uh, it's all there. And so that's just so you can have everything that you would want uh, to try to lock on and kind of get all the parameters of, of what we've been talking about, okay? So this weekend, uh, this is a conversation I've been waiting to have. Like, I, it's, I'm excited to have it with you this weekend because we've been talking, we've been talking about like uh, from the beginning, like we said, we, we got to start with like, what do we do with Jesus? Like, do we accept what he says about himself? And we've said that Jesus doesn't say he's a good guy. He says that he's a great God. So it's Jesus himself who claims to be God. So we kind of started there. Then we talked about the Bible and we talked about choice. Uh, last weekend, we talked about this idea of, of turning around or repenting is what the Bible uses the word. It means to turn around or to, or to go back home is, is what it would mean to return. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Joe talked about the whole idea of why does God even point out our sin? And the Bible says he points out our sin so that we know that we need a savior, like we would be unaware of it if God hadn't pointed it out. So we've had kind of those conversations. But this weekend, we're going to start... Uh, talking about Jesus himself. 
And we're going to do that for the next few weekends. We've been kind of interlaced, obviously, as we've gone through everything. But I just want to bring us to a point where now we're talking directly about Jesus. And that's going to be the next few weekends is, is who he is, what he's like, and how he wants us to interact with him. So I've been kind of waiting uh, to, get, to get to this point, And I'm excited to have a conversation with you. So to kind of introduce this idea, I was trying to think about like where to start. Like if we just like, if we didn't know anything about Christmas and nothing about Easter and just like who is Jesus, how we start interacting with him. Um, I think when, when you look at Jesus himself, the first point that Jesus would want us to interact with him is kind of two concepts. And we're going to kind of talk through these two concepts here this weekend. He would want us to interact with him as Lord and Savior simultaneously. So Lord and Savior simultaneously. So Super Bowls this weekend will be fun when the Chiefs win. And so excited about all of that. And uh, you're going to probably hear some guys because there's some Christ followers on both of those, those teams. And you've probably heard that on TV. Like, I give all glory to God. And, and the really serious guys do that when they win and when they lose. And you might hear them say, like, and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's like a phrase. Like, Christians say this stuff. Like, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, actually, that's a really good way to talk about Jesus. That he's my Lord and Savior or he's my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible would talk about Jesus this way, Jesus would talk about Jesus this way, and it would kind of paint that complete picture for us a little bit. So you'll see it woven through the Bible, especially the second half of the Bible, we call it the New Testament, you'll see that kind of work through. So First uh, John chapter 4, verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son, that's Jesus, Father sent his Son to be the Savior of of the world, and so you'll see Jesus referred to as the Savior. Uh, another part of the Bible, this is the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter six: "For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is uh, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." And so you'll see Jesus titled that Savior, Lord. And then sometimes you'll you'll see it together. Philippians three: "For we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly eagerly await for Him to return as our." Savior. So you'll see those terms again and again. And I decided to kind of, remember we're kind of trying to start from scratch. So just decided like to start there because those two things, if we can get our head and our hearts around that Jesus is a Savior and he is simultaneously Lord. That he is Savior and he is equally Lord. And so it almost becomes like one phrase, Lord and Savior or Savior and Lord then we'll start interacting with him really on the basis that he would want us to begin our, our interaction with him. Okay, so what do these, these terms mean? So the, the term savior just means deliverer. So Jesus is our deliverer, and he says that about himself, and the Bible says that would describe him that way all over the place. So Jesus delivers us from sin, from the consequences of sin. You just saw there in Romans, the wages of sin. Wages are what you earn for what you do. So sin are the consequences of sin. He delivers us from that. And then Lord means master or owner. Master or owner. So he's my deliverer. And then he is my master or he is, is he, he, and he is my owner. Okay, so I just want to break those things down with you a little bit. We'll start with Savior. So Jesus is our Savior 
So if Jesus is our Savior, what that means is that I need to be saved from something, right? So in order for me to be saved from something, I have to first accept that I need a Savior. So accepting a Savior means that I have accepted my need to be saved. And if you've ever had someone or something try to be a Savior and you don't accept that you need saved, then what will happen is you will reject the Savior because you'll look and say, well, that doesn't pertain to me. I don't need to be saved from anything. So uh, Heidi and I uh, live out in the country a little bit, uh, far from you guys. And so uh, we, we live out in the country with, by ourselves. And uh, out there we have lots of leaves and whirly birds, right? So this last summer and spring there was some kind of whirly bird attack that happened in Northeast Ohio, and of course the leaves come down, and so I looked up, and like our gutters are clogged with whirly birds and with, with leaves. So I said to Heidi, I said, our gutters are clogged, and she's like, you should get up there and clean those out. And I was like, you just love me for my life insurance. But that was really a marital issue. We're, we're getting counseling. But I said, I don't want to get up on the roof, kind of afraid of heights a little bit. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, what we need is we need gutter guards. Like we need things that go over our gutters so leaves and whirly birds don't get in them. So I got on the internet and I started Googling around gutter guards and found a whole bunch of options. And so I scheduled for a couple of guys to come out and give me quotes on gutter guards. First guy comes out and uh, he pulls up and he looks at our property and he's like, wow. He goes, uh, your gutters are really high. I was like, yeah, you know, I usually tend to keep mine up as opposed to like on the ground. I try to up on the roof line there and he goes, he goes well you know it's expensive to get high gutters done I was like well, oh I don't I have no idea what to say right now but he goes let me measure so we have a house and we have a barn and and so he's walking around it takes forever like laser measuring blah 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 I'm kind of you know doing my thing waiting for him to get around and so he he measures everything out and he um he calls me over. He's like, uh, Mr. Bogue, can I talk to you? He goes, should I, should I call you Mr. Bogue or Dr. Bogue? I was like, well, depends on which one's cheaper. That, I think that's the one we want to go with. And so he's like, I go, go with Mr. That's the cheap one. And I said, I, he goes, can I meet with you? And I was like, oh, we need to, we need to have a meeting. We need to have a meeting over my gutters. And he's, I'm like, okay. And so we sat down on my front porch, and he brought a suitcase over from his car. And I was like, huh, there's a, there's a suitcase it's interesting. And so he brings the suitcase over and he opens it up. He goes, can I just walk you through our product? I'm like, it's, it's gutter guards, bro. I, like, I don't know what, like, he goes, ours are special. I was like, okay. And so he got out the product. He goes, ours go over the gutter and it's hermetically sealed and your gutter will be airtight. I was like, I, that sounds like overkill to me. And he's like, and it wraps around the gutter. I was like, I just kind of wanted to cover the gutter. And he goes, and he goes, and look at this, this mesh he goes, you see this mesh? I was like, I do. I recognize it as mesh. And he, he said, he said, this is a special mesh. And I was like, what kind of, what, what makes it special? He goes, this is surgical mesh that goes over your gutters. I'm like, that feels expensive overkill to me. And he goes, you put this on here and you will have, you will have your gutters covered for generations. I'm like, I don't, I don't care that much about the next guy, really. I just kind of want, I don't want to get on the roof. And so he, he walks us all through this, and he said that he, he goes through this presentation, and I'm like, okay. And he goes, now listen. He goes, I did something for you. I was like, oh, this is, this is neat. He goes, I, uh, because I came out here today, I gave you a discount. I said, oh, because you came out of discount. He goes, yeah. He goes, I gave you 15% off this price. I was like, wow, that's, 
better than I give at church. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good. And he says, so for you today, if you sign on this today, he said, these covers for your gutters will only cost you, and this is a real number, and I have the paper, $30,000. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, 30, that's it. That's with a discount. $30,000. I was like, buddy. I was like, I don't, I mean, I, I, I think I'd rather fall off my roof than give you $30,000. And I said, I said, man, I said, I said, we're not in the same ballpark, but I didn't mean to waste your time. I didn't know that you were going to waste mine or I wouldn't have called. And, and he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I'll knock it down to 21. I was like, just nine grand off, boom, like that. That's amazing. Good thing you don't have a markup. And so, like, we're just kind of going through this whole thing. So finally, I, I said, listen, I said, it, it could be, like, 10,000. I'm not interested. I said, sorry. And I said, I said, I just don't want it. So he started packing the stuff up and he, he, he got halfway through it and he went down the steps. He stopped. He goes, he goes, uh, Mr. Bogue, he goes, I feel like I just have to say something to you. I was like, okay. He goes, uh, he goes, you're going to regret this because, uh, because your gutters are going to, going to be destroyed. He goes, you're going to regret it. And I, I looked at him. I said, well, I said, I'll be honest. I kind of do already. And I said, so I said, we're going we're gonna to be fine, and, and he left, right? He wanted to save me, and I'm like, I don't need salvation. By the way, the next guy came, it was 1500 bucks. Get the whole thing. So, like, so then I'm like, I don't, I don't need or want your salvation, and pushing you out of my life, and we were, he was nice, and I was nice, it was all that, but I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't miss you, I don't want you. And I don't want you around me or my children or my children's children. Like, I don't want any of that, right, kind of thing. Because I don't want your salvation. So when Jesus says, I'm a savior, it's a pretty strong statement. So when he says, I'm a savior, it's a pretty strong statement. Because what he's saying is, I need to be saved. Well, from what? Well, this is why, like, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Joe it, it talked about from our sin. What's our sin? Our sin is anything that's wrong. Anything that's been done to you that's wrong. If you've been lied to, if you've been cheated on, if you've been abused, if you've been stolen from, if you've been, it's anything wrong that's been done to you is a sin. And then we do that to other people. The wrong that we do to other people. And then the wrong that we do to God. When we don't acknowledge who he is, we don't yield our life to him, when we go against what he says through his will, through his word, like all of that is sin. Now here's what happens. Sin is kind of our normal. Like it's kind of normal. We're so used to it that we don't think much about it. We don't think much about somebody lying to us. We don't think much about something on the internet being true and untrue and then we don't th we're so used to like that person used to be a part of my life that person haven't talked to my dad in years I don't interact with her sin is kind of our normal and so if we're not careful we'll think well what do I need a savior for because Jesus would say no no, no I, I came and I died to pay for your sin you mean my normal yeah but you, maybe you don't understand that the consequence of your sin is spiritual death. It's separation from me for you to be in hell. Like it's, it's devastating, 
but you're not used to it or didn't know it. So I'm pointing that out. You pointing that out to condemn me? I don't need to condemn you because you sin. And you know it, you condemn yourself. I'm trying to save you, Jesus says in John 3, 17. And you need a savior. So me interacting with Jesus like starts with me like accepting that I need to be saved from something. Because I would only think of you as a savior if I recognized that I needed to be saved. And so that's why Jesus points out what's wrong in our lives. He points out everything from our heart attitude to our behaviors to our actions to our words. He's like, all those things that are wrong separate you from me and cause you to need a savior, and that's what I am. Now, Jesus takes it up a notch, and he says, not only do you need a savior, but I alone am your savior. I'm the only one. So these are his words. These aren't my words. This isn't Grace Church. This is Jesus. Jesus says... I am the way, singular, I am the truth, singular, and I'm the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And this is where, it's like, that's what Jesus says. He's saying he's God, and he's saying he is the only Savior. Those are his claims about himself. So he says, I, you need a Savior, I'm the only one. The apostle Peter echoes this later on in the book of Acts. He says there's no salvation. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. So Jesus is like, I'm it. That's my claim. I am your savior. I am the only savior. No one can have their sin forgiven. No one can go to heaven and be with the father unless you go through me. It's me and me alone that saves you. So if I'm thinking about Jesus like from scratch, right, and I'm like getting my head around, a lot of times what happens when we think about Jesus from scratch is we put him in categories with other, other guys. So that there's Jesus, there's Muhammad, there's this guy, there's that guy, there's, you know, Hindu gods, like, and Jesus is in that mix. Jesus is the one who's like, no, actually, I, I don't view myself that way at all. I view myself as the Lord of those lords, I alone and God. And then we think of ourselves as normal, right? Every, everybody's family is like this. Everybody has a thing. Everybody think of ourselves as normal. And Jesus is like, actually, I view that as spiritual life and death. Because that will separate you from me. That's why I came from you, for you. And when I gave my life and when I raised myself from the dead, I created forgiveness for your sin, which you need, but you only get from me. And so if I think about interacting with Jesus kind of as a starting point, I would think about interacting with Jesus from that place, that he and he alone is my savior, and that I am in need of that savior, right? So Jesus is a savior. Now, the other side of that coin then, or the complete picture is, not only is he our Savior, but he's our Lord. He's our Lord. So, really fascinating part of scripture at the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 1, describing Jesus, and then Jesus describes himself. 
Jesus says this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be sorrowful that they didn't follow him. Then Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who uh, always was, and who is still to come, the Mighty One. And so describing Jesus our Savior, the Bible also describes Jesus as our Lord, and Jesus agrees with that description. So you just start running through those phrases in that passage... Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the ruler of all the kings of the world. The Bible says that it's, it's Christ who sets up kingdoms and rulers and tears them down. He's like, I'm the king of the kings. That's who I am. I am Lord. I'm their master, their owner. The Bible says all glory goes to God. What that means is this, is that Jesus alone is worthy of worship. So we don't just like recognize that Jesus is loving and kind. He is, but he's also Lord. So we, we worship him and him alone. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I'm, I am the way, the truth, the life. I alone am worthy of worship. Everything else is false worship. I alone am worthy of that. All the nations of the world will mourn for him. The Bible says that. That at the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So no matter how vehemently you oppose him, or like on a national scale, how much like a, a people or a government would live in opposition to him, Jesus is like, yeah, that, that's not going to hold up. Because I am Lord and everyone will claim that and recognize that one day. All the nations of the world will, will do that. And then Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the one who is, the one who always was, and the one who is still to come. What that means is this, is that I, I am Lord, I'm creator, I'm God, so I exist above your constructs. So Jesus has always been... He will always be, and we would look and say, how can that possibly work? He, and Jesus would be like, well, you don't understand it, but I created the whole concept of time. So I'm eternal, I, and I am now. I rule all things now. So I am, I was, I will always be, I'm beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. I am the almighty one. I am Lord. And so you, you kind of get this, this other picture of, of Jesus. He's, he's a savior who comes to deliver us from the bondage. The Bible uses that word bondage of sin. Right? I'm trapped in my sin. I can't forgive myself. I have to be forgiven. And then he says, I'm the only one that can do that. And then he's savior and Lord. And he's like, by the way, and I am your God. And whether, whether you recognize that or not right now, one day everyone will. 
because that is who I am. I'm your Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, the reason why this concept is so important for us is because when we think about interacting with Jesus as a starting point, right, as a starting point, we think about interacting with Jesus, we would want to marry those two ideas together. So instead of just Jesus, like, just as Savior or Jesus just as Lord, we would want to marry those two ideas together and think of him as our Savior and our Lord. Now, the reason that's important is this. Because if you separate those two things, you won't have a clear view of Jesus and you'll start to interact with him in the, in the wrong way, in ways that he doesn't want to be interacted with. So, for instance, some, uh, I, I said it this way. When I, if, if I view Jesus as a Savior but I cancel him as Lord, I will disregard his authority and power in my life. So if I had a very narrow view of Jesus, and he's just Savior, and he loves me, which he does, and he, he will accept me, which he does, and he will give his life for me, which he did, and, and he, will, he will get me to heaven, which he can, Right? It's not that those things aren't true, but, it, but if I just narrow my view only to those things, what will happen is in my mind, I'll accept his salvation and his love, but I'll never grant him authority or definition in my life. So I'll kind of like take the ticket to heaven, but it's not really going to affect my life. I don't surrender my life. I don't surrender my will. I don't surrender my identity. Because I don't think of him as Lord, I only think of him as Savior. And what happens when we do that is we'll start to abuse the, the grace and the mercy that Jesus brings into our life. And we'll start to resent his truth and his ownership. I love that Jesus saves me, and I love that he loves me, and I love the whole idea of heaven, and I don't want him telling me what to do. And by the way, who are you to tell me what to do with my life? See, I'll resent those things. Pastor Rich calls this a, a superhero view of Jesus. Jesus swoops in, like saves the day, and then he's gone, right? Superman like comes in and saves you, but he never really helps you with your issues at work. You know, he, he like saves you, but then he's never like, does your marriage counseling? You're like, he has, it has no real impact on your life besides a rescue, so to say, right? Now, this is, this is a big deal. And many of us, when we think about God, we think about God this way. Like, Jesus loves me, totally true. Jesus wants to save me, 100% true. Jesus is the only way to heaven, 100% true. But if our interaction with Jesus stops there, we'll take all of that and then say, but it's my life it's my will, it's my truth, it's my direction. Jesus, I would prefer that you stay out of it. So we can acknowledge Jesus as Savior, but it actually has no impact on our life. I actually grew up that way. When I grew up and going to church, if you asked me a question when I was in, like in high school or the first couple of years of college, if you said, uh, Jeff, do you think you need saved from something? I would be like, yeah, probably. You know, I'm not, I don't think I'm perfect. Nobody really does. So, yeah, if, if you want to, you know, think of something that way, okay. And if you said, um, do you think Jesus loves you? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, sure. 
And it's pretty nice, the whole Christmas Easter thing is pretty nice. And I would have even gone a step further. If you said, do you think Jesus is the way to heaven? I'd be like, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Muslim. I'm not Buddhist. I mean, that, like if I was going to pick a path to heaven, I'd go with that one. Right? So I had no contention with any of those things. But this is the way this plays out. I would have agreed with all of that. I would have gone to church mostly for my mom. I would have set through my yelling at, because that's what our pastor did. He yelled at us. And I would have not necessarily disagreed about sin. Like he, he would have picked the sin of the week, and he would have yelled about that. I wouldn't have necessarily argued with him. But then I would have left that service, and I would have been like, oh, well. So my salvation caused zero transformation. Because I didn't think of Jesus as Lord, I would have thought of me as Lord. And a ticket to heaven was a good way for me to be a healthy version of me. But no, it never affected the way that I love people, never affected the direction of my life, never corrected anything. I knew, but I didn't. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Nobody does that. Right? But I would have acknowledged Jesus' salvation, but I would have canceled him. As Lord. Now you can flip it, right? You can flip it. So if, if, you, if you view Jesus as Lord, but you cancel him as Savior, then I'm going to view him without relationship. And some of us would think of Jesus that way. Like he's a higher power, and he's out there, and I probably shouldn't honk him off, right? Because I, I don't know what will happen. So I, I will, he, he's watching he knows, and again, we're not really arguing, like, you're a sinner, okay, like, if you're talking, if perfection is the standard, I failed it, like, okay, so he knows what I did, and if I don't do religious things, then I won't appease that angry God, so, so that's why I'll wear a cross or a rosary or some kind of religious good luck charm and pray right before the football game. Because I want to do well. Or, or I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get married in the church. Jesus isn't really defining my, my relationship with my wife or my husband. So like, but I'll get married in the church because we kind of want you know, our marriage to be blessed. Right? And we'll think of them that way. The, a distant God that has to be appeased. Or a, a disappointed God who... I accepted when I was six, and then I kind of lived my life as a disaster. Now he's stuck with me, but I got my ticket to heaven. And we'll view him as Lord, but not as Savior. We'll, we'll remove relationship and practice religion with that if we cancel him as Savior. So when you're talking to Jesus and you're looking at what he's saying, he, he would show up and he basically would be like, actually, like, I'm both those things. I'm both those things. I'm your Savior and your Lord, and I am equally those two things. I'm not like 50-50. I'm equally those two things, right? And it's a relational thing. I am Heidi's husband and my children's father equally. Both of those things are completely true of me thoroughly. And I never set one down to do the other. 
right? They would always mix together. But I would want you to view me, if you wanted to know me, and if you said, Jeff, who are you? I would be like, I'm a husband and a father. That, that is the essence of who I am and what I am like. I'm not one or the other, okay? Now, the place that you see this play out the most clearly in the whole Bible is when Jesus gives his life on the cross. It's at the cross. So when Jesus gives his life on the cross, you see him being a savior, a deliverer. And he's a deliverer who knows that we are trapped in sin. I cannot forgive myself. I can't even forgive you of your sins. He, Christ, and Christ alone can do that. And Jesus knows that it takes a life to purchase a life. And so Jesus paid a debt he didn't know for those of us who owe a debt that we can't pay. I can't forgive myself. I have to be forgiven. But a life has to be given in order for my life to be purchased. So you see a deliverer. Just like a Navy SEAL will go rescue a hostage. Or a firefighter would go into a burning building. A deliverer would come and rescue somebody who needed rescued. And you see that when Jesus went to the cross. And he was 100% willing to do that. And you see it on display. When he was falsely accused, he took it. When he was beaten and he was flogged and he was sped upon, his beard was ripped out and he was mocked, he took it. You, you see him paying the price. He knew it had to be paid and so he was willing to pay it. When he was crucified, he took it. He, he didn't see him exercise the full extent of his deity when, when some guy is nailing him to a tree that Jesus created. So he took that. Why? Because in order for us to be saved, he had to go into that burning building. Because he's a savior. He's a deliverer. And when you watch him on the cross, when you watch him take it, when you watch him interact with humility, what the Bible, call, the Bible calls meekness, when you see him do that, you're seeing his savior side so to come out. When you see his patience, well, if God's God, why doesn't he strike me dead right now? Because he's patient, because he's loving, because he wishes that none would perish. It's not that he can't, it's that he doesn't. Because he wants to deliver, he wants to save. And Jesus came to do that. God gave his only son so that when we understand who he is, we can believe in him. And he will cleanse us of our sins and we can have everlasting life. And then the next verse says, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So all of his teaching, all of his life, and then it kind of peeks out at that crucifixion. You see a savior doing that. In that same place... You see him operate as Lord. And anything that was going to interfere with him providing your deliverance, his lordship dealt with. So one of his followers got all ticked off when they were arresting Jesus falsely, pulled a sword, cut a guy's ear off. Jesus picked it up and put his ear back on and was like, knock it off. This process has to play out. You see, like, I created this guy. Here's your ear back, man. Sorry. You know, he, he gets worked up. Because he didn't want that process 
interfered with. When you see Jesus' strength, when you see him on the cross, he's talking to a thief on the cross who deserved to be crucified under Roman law. One guy is mocking him, the other guy is curious, and on the cross, Jesus forgives the guy's sin. He's like, you're going to be with me today in heaven. right? I'm going to forget. That's his lordship. He can do that because he's Lord. And then where you really see it on display is Jesus bleeds out. The Romans double check and make sure he's dead. And they pierce his lung and water flew out of it because uh, bodily fluid built up in Jesus' lungs. And he bled out and suffocated. That's how he died. And so the Romans double check it. They pull him off the cross. All these people handle his body. They wrap it up. All of his followers knew that he was dead. They put him in a grave. He's there for three days. Then they come back to put spices on the body because the body is starting to decay. And he gone. And by his own power, he raised himself from the dead. He's Lord. And at the cross and at the crucifixion, you see a Savior and you see a Lord. And you see those two things in equal portion. 100% Savior, 100% Lord. That is who the person of Jesus Christ is. And then he would show up in our lives. And he would look and say, listen, I want you to know something. Number one, I want you to know that I love you. I'm not out to get you. I would have got you by now. I'm Lord. I know everything. So if I wanted to hit you with a bolt of lightning, you've given me at least 10,000 reasons. And I don't. I wish that none would perish. I'm not out to get you. I didn't come to condemn you. I don't need to condemn you. You condemned yourself. Anybody here perfect? We just admitted we're sinful. I don't, need, I don't need to reinforce that. But I do need you to know that you need a Savior. I need you to know you need a Savior. Because your sin is normal. Who in here is told a lie? Raise your hand. If you didn't, you're lying. Who in here has been selfish? Who in here has been greedy? Who in here has willfully defied a part of the Bible and just ignored it? Who? Why is God pointing that out? Because I need you to know. I don't need to know. I need you to know that you're sinful. And I need you to know that that sin has consequences. And it's normal to you. And that's why you don't think about the consequences. But I do. I do. My father does. That's why I'm on the cross. I came to be your deliverer, your savior. And you have consequences for your sin. And I came to pay for those consequences so that you can be forgiven. So does that mean we're, we're buddies, we're pals, I just say a prayer and go on? No, I'm your Lord. I'm your Lord. I, I'm actually the only thing that's worthy of your, of, of your life. Anything you give yourself to, anyone else who has influence, is not even secondary to me. It's non-consequential compared to me. I am the king of the kings. I am the Lord of the lords. I alone am worthy 
of glory and power forever in your life. So when you accept me, you're accepting me as a savior and a Lord. I have the authority to define and direct your life, and I have the power to transform it. I have the authority to label your sin, sin, and I have the power to forgive it. I have the authority to judge you as guilty, and I have the power to pay the fine for your sin. Because I'm Savior and Lord. And interacting with me as anything else, as anything less, is not really interacting with me. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a Lord that you tremble in front of, you bow your knee to. And I'm a Savior that you run to. And I love you and I ran to you. And those two things, in a loving relationship, not a religion, not a ticket, in a loving relationship, those two things come together fully. And I want to interact with you as your Savior and as your Lord. And if I was beginning, if I was at the very beginning, right, because that's kind of what we're doing, so I know nothing. If I'm at the very beginning... And I'm thinking about Jesus himself. That's where I would start. That's what he says about himself. I didn't say that about him. He said that about him. He says that about himself. But in my relationship with him, I would look and say, okay, I need to start there. I have a God who loves me and a God who is God. And so I humbly bow my knee before my Lord who is willing to save me. And when I bow my knee, so to say, that Lord leans down and takes my hand and raises me up. And then what Jesus says is, I am your Lord, but I'm your Savior. So now, now I call you friend. Now I call you brother. Now I call you sister. But your Lord is the one who invited you into this relationship as your Savior. And it becomes this mind-boggling thing. Mind-boggling thing. Not that hard to think of Jesus as a Savior. Like, you need to ticket out of hell. It's not that hard to think about Jesus as a Lord because, you know, somebody's got to be in control of something around here. But it's mind-boggling to realize that he's both those things. And he knows me and loves me and invites me. And Jesus, I think, would look at us and say, if, if we were going to start our relationship, that's the ground we should start it on. You don't have to understand it fully because you kind of grow in these things. I don't understand it fully. But it has to start there, right? It has to start there. I need a Savior and I have a Lord and he loves me, will forgive me, and invite me as I bend my knee to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, and the band will come out, and we're going to sing a few songs. Guys, I just want you to, like, kind of be still and chill.
Like if your kids are down in, you know, kids ministry, like milk that. You don't need to go get them. Like work that, right? But we're, we're so bad at like taking a minute. So let's take a minute. And I want us to, I want us to think through something and then we're going to sing about who Jesus is and what he's like, okay? So take a deep breath. Just say hello to Jesus and kind of invite him into this time and space. Just kind of connect with him. All right, and I just want to ask you to, for you, this is for you, to think this through. Like, do I think of Jesus as my Savior? Do I know I need one? Do I agree with him about what he says about himself? And what he says about me, that I'm a sinner. And that sin, it, it, it's my norm, but it's a, it's a big deal. So have I ever asked Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin and accepted him as a savior? And we say at Grace here a lot, we say personal savior, not a religious system not a few prayers and a couple things that we do and we're good but as a savior who loves me knows me and wants to be loved and known by me if I ever accepted Jesus that way and then you just add the rest of the equation if I accepted Jesus as my savior and then my Lord you guys listen Jesus as a Savior is not changing your life, then He is not Lord. So this is where, like, what God says in the Bible, this is like Jesus' heart for people. This is why you can't love God and hate your brother. Like, there, there's no transformation. So just kind of get this image in your mind. Have I ever bowed my knee to Jesus and, and confess with my mouth or proclaimed he is Lord King of the Kings Lord of the Lords all glory and power to him forever Amen and then in your heart are those two things true a loving Savior who invites me, welcomes me, adopts me, changes me. And He is my Lord who I yield to, submit to, worship. So Jesus, right now, through your word and empowered by your Holy Spirit, would you help us to do this spiritual math, so to say? Would you help each of us to search our hearts? look at our lives God to, to embrace the wholeness of who you are you love us passionately deeply sacrificially and you take all of who you are as Lord and you bring it to bear on our behalf I'm grateful for that and God we then offer all of ourselves to you passionately sacrificially because our Savior is our Lord and you alone are worthy.
so in these still moments as we like sing these songs that are filled with these ideas Jesus would you through your spirit work deeply and draw us close to yourself